In the previous year, I described two different images, or three different images associated with Berchat HaChama. Berchat HaChama, once every 28 years, we commemorate a full cycle. It takes 28 years for the cycling of Earth and Sun, the orbit of Earth around the Sun, to return to its point of origin, the point in which the planets were installed during creation. To return to that point, obviously, the planets, the Earth and Sun, return to their original alignment once a year, or once every 365 days and six hours. That's how long it takes for the Earth to actually rotate around the Sun. But since it's more than 365 days, it's six hours, so each year the Sun and the Earth return to their original alignment six hours in the week after the previous year. So if in a certain year you take a fixed point, let's say on Thursday afternoon at 6 o'clock, it will take the Sun and the Earth till the next year, Thursday night at 12 o'clock to return because it will take 365 days plus six hours. Then the next year will be offset another six hours. The next year another six hours. The next year another six hours. You have to four years it will take an extra day of the week. It will return a complete day later than it started to get to its original point of origin. Then after 28 years, 4 times 7, it will return to the original alignment on the exact same station or stage of the week that it started. And of course, we believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the planets the beginning of the night between Tuesday and Wednesday, the beginning of the fourth day. So every 28 years, when the planets return to their original point of alignment, and that return happens at the beginning of the night between the third and the fourth day, we recite the bracha vosim asibrachus. I pointed out three or four images associated with the sun, and the sun's ability to display the grandeur of a Baruch Hu's universe. Seeing in the sun the great source for human confusion, and recognizing in the sun the great source of energy, of renewable energy, necessary to support all forms of life. The choice of Chodesh Nisan is an intriguing one. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah cites a well-known machlokis between Rabbi Eliezer, who claims the world was created in Tishrei, and Rabbi Hoshua, who claims the world was created in Nisan. Now, are these two different historical records? Was there a long process of creation? The Rabbeinu Tam, for example, Rashi's grandson, claims in a Tosfos in Rosh Hashanah Chavzayin that God intended to create the world in Tishrei, Allah bin Machshava, but it wasn't actually created as material until Lisa. So Rabbeinu Tam saw this is one long process. As it were, contemplating creation, which obviously for God is a very different form of contemplation, deciding to create and actually creating. We take a slightly different approach from the Beinu Tam. There was one long process of creation begun in Tishrei, not spanning more than six years, obviously. Six days, excuse me. The Gemara divides various halachos. Some halachos we assume Rabbi is correct, and we count from Tishrei. Other halachos we base ourselves on the model of Rabbi Yeshua. Tishrei is the start of nature. Rabbi claims when the actual material world was created, forests and seas, oceans, mountains and deserts, planets and stars, galaxies. Nisan, of course, is the month in which history was born. 
that human beings and Jews don't just live as passive elements of nature, but are authors of redemption, authors of history, changing our world, redeeming it. It would have been seemingly most logical to schedule Birchat HaChama during Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, a more universal New Year, rather than Rosh Chodesh Nisan, a more parochial or national New Year. In fact, the Jews are more often compared to the moon than they are to the sun. The Medrash describes Esav Amona Lechama, Shehigidola, V'Yaakov Amona Lelevana Shehiktana. Most cultures have adopted solar calendars, solar-based calendars. Yaakov is alone, not alone, not exclusive, but in the minority adopting a lunar calendar. The Medrash reasons, Mahachamahazos Sholetes Bayom Ve'ena Sholetes Balayla, the sun has no sway at night. It sets beneath the horizon. Kach Esav, Yesh lo chelech b'yolam hazeh, ve'im lo chelech li'olam haba, Esav, rises to supremacy in this world, but is absent from the future world. The moon doesn't set, or hasn't set as often as the sun. It remains pitched in the sky, but sometimes it's eclipsed by the light of the sun. Similarly, Yaakov Avino, sometimes the fate of the Jews is eclipsed by the arc and trajectory of other empires and other cultures which shine brighter at different stages of history. But it doesn't mean the moon has disappeared. It doesn't mean the moon is no longer present. It just has been eclipsed or dwarfed. We recite during Kiddush Lavana that the Jews are like the moon, that we will be restored one day to our full stature. Just as the moon was diminished at the early stages of history, it was converted into Ma'arakatan, the junior planet. But according to Chazal, will one day be restored, so too we expect the Jewish station in this world to be restored to its rightful place of prominence. So the Jews are more often compared to the moon. The moon is seen as a metaphor for the Jewish national arc, whereas the sun is seen as a more universal planet. If we were actually noting the installation of the sun, perhaps Chodesh Tishrei would have been a more likely choice, a more likely setting. But this is precisely the point. Bechat HaChama in Nisan fuses the sun and Chodesh Nisan. Fuses the universalism which the sun represents and the parochialism of Chodesh Nisan. A Jew has to live both of these experiences, sometimes we are too nationalistic, hyper-nationalistic in our approach, discrediting the importance of other nations, of other lives, chas v'shalom, as if only Jewish life were important and all the other five billion people who inhabit our earth, their lives are meaningless. God forbid, the xenophobia bordering on bigotry. Sometimes the opposite danger is faced, where People sense their universal role, their universal fate, their shared experience with other human beings so deeply that the unique mission we are meant to sense as a Jew of a unique and selected people above time and beyond time, the mission itself is emptied. 
We meant to feel both, to blend the two. Reciting Berchat HaChama, standing in front of this universal sun, in Chodesh Nisan, exclaiming, God created an entire world which the sun provides life and light for. But that world, that universe, that cosmos, is only meaningful if it is pitched within the historical drama which unfolds during Chodesh Nisan, a Chodesh Hazel Lachem, which was born that night in Egypt when the sun wasn't shining. Beautiful Medrash describing, I spoke the previous year about the sun being halted by Yehoshua. Truth is, the sun was halted for Jewish history well before Yehoshua. The beginning of Parshas Kitetze, Yaakov is journeying from his home to Aram Naharayim, Vayifka b'makom, Vayalen sham ki vahashemesh, Yaakov surprisingly encounters this Hara Maria unexpectedly. He unexpectedly stays the night, Vayalen sham ki vahashemesh. As I'll say, Melamei cheshkia hakadosh baruch hu galgel chama shelo be'onasa, God accelerated the setting of the sun. Ki vahashemesh, God extinguished the sun. Because he desired that he speak with Yaakov, communicate with Yaakov, appear to him in a dream, in the private, quiet, still moments of the night. Had the sun not set, perhaps Yaakov would have journeyed further and not spent the night at Har Moriah, this great chosen site of Jewish history. The sun, placed in its orbit for eternity, meant to orbit, meant to be part of the galaxy, independent seemingly of any parochial or national concerns, the sun sets, based on the rhythm and needs of Jewish history. And just as it sets, according to Chazal, two hours early, a Masai Hechziran HaKadosh Baruch when did HaKadosh Baruch return those two hours to the sun's orbit? When Yaakov returns, Lo Hashemesh, one Parsha later, and Parsha's Vayishlach, Yaakov wrestles with this mysterious apparition and is harmed and is injured. And he requires the healing rays of the sun. Vayizrach, Lo Hashemesh. The sun now rises earlier so that Yaakov could be healed. Amr la Kadesh Baruch Hu, Kadesh Baruch Hu refers to Yaakov, At Simon Levonecha, you, you are setting the precedent for your children. Masa Avos. When you left, I caused the sun to set, and when you returned, I caused it to rise. So will I determine the rising and setting of the sun on behalf of Jewish history. As much as we see these planets and the sun as universal elements beyond the parochial sweep of Jewish national history. The sun, which we recite, Osemai on, is the sun of Jewish history. The sun of Tishrei is in truth the sun of Nisan. The sun rises and falls based on the impetus of Jewish history. In Shir Hashirim, Shlomo Melech refers to us as Mizos HaNishkafa Kimo Shachar. Yafa kalevana, bara kachama, ayuma kanitgalos. Combining the sun and the moon.
when referring to Am Yisrael. So this is a very powerful, powerful decision to reschedule, as it were, Kiddush, not just Kiddush Levana, but Birchat Achama, from its more natural setting of Chodesh Tishrei, the new year of nature, to a seemingly unnatural setting of Chodesh Nisan, the new year of Jewish history and of redemptive history. I would like to spend a few moments describing not just the thoughts associated with Birchat Achama, the planets and the installation of the sun, but the fact that this is a mitzvah which we ref- which we perform so infrequently. Berchat is not just a trip to a planetarium to gaze at planets, to consider the majesty of God's creation, to consider the role of planets in religious history, to consider the role of planets in sustaining life, to consider the role of Jews in history and universal time. But it's an amazing moment in the lifespan of a human being. Thought that this is a mitzvah which a person performs only a few times during their life. It's a sobering one and a challenging one. On the one hand, it puts us in contact with something larger than ourselves. Frameworks, cycles, systems, larger than the particular human experience which we get caught up in and obsess about so often. Thought that we stand in front of these planets, in front of the sun, in its original alignment as it was 206 cycles ago, as the world was created, reminds us that we're part of a larger agenda. and hopefully elevates us above the pettiness, the small-mindedness, the myopia, which plagues human experience which burdens the human mind. The great irony of modernity, that our world has expanded, we travel through the heavens, we travel through space, and yet, the world in which we live, not the terrestrial world, the emotional landscape, the communal setting in which we live, has shrunk and shrunk, and we live in greater isolation, and we live smaller and smaller lives. It's a very chilling description of that shrinking, Franz, Franz Kafka wrote as follows. As a result of war, and he's referring to World War I, America has come to Europe. The continents have shrunk together. A spark carries a man's voice around the world in an instant. We no longer live in space cut to human size, but on a small lost star surrounded by millions of larger and smaller worlds. Solar space looms up like an act of vengeance. In its abysses, we lose more and more of our freedom of movement day by day. I believe that it can't last much longer. The world is changing into a ghetto. The world is opening out, but we are driven into narrow defiles of paper. The only certainty is the chair one sits on. We live in straight lines, yet every man is in fact a labyrinth. Very haunting description of the malaise of modern man, and he's referring to modern man, the early part of the 20th century. A world expanding, but a world being emptied of meaning. A search to recover meaning. Search to recover belonging to something, rather than living in insulated and isolated circles 
itself. Standing in front of the sun allows us to transcend that insularity, that soli- that um, that um, soliloquy, and to remind ourselves that we're part of such larger frameworks, and hopefully to alleviate the pettiness and the loneliness that plagues our experience. It also reminds us of the cyclical nature of history, the way things were, the way things will be. The sun cycles, the earth and sun cycle to 28 long years until they return to the original point of alignment at the same time which they were 28 years earlier. We think back to 1981, the previous opportunity for Birchat HaChama, to 1953, to 1925, to 19, to 1897. How much has changed? How has our world been altered? But one thing remains constant. One thing remains the same. The role of the Jewish people, the struggle of Jewish history, and the desire of a world not to allow that struggle to unfold. Shamu Amim Yergazan, the anger of a world at every single stage of the last 206, in most stages, we can isolate or identify perils, challenges, threats to the Jewish experience, the Jewish survival. Who wanted to murder us in 1897? Who wanted to murder us in 1871? And, excuse me, in, in 1869, and before that, in 1842, at every stage, in this year, that cyclical thought has even greater relevance because we face so much challenge, because there are so many who are desperate to destroy, desperate to assault the Jewish people. Because... We will arise as early as possible Wednesday morning, Erev Pesach, and remind ourselves of the cyclical nature of history. And then 12 hours later, we'll sit in Mirza Hashem around the Seder and reiterate, Shebuchol dar v'adar amdem aleinu l'chaloseinu v'akadosh baruchu matzileinu miyadam. And finally, an event of such magnitude, of such proportion, causes us inevitably to take pause and take stock. As we look into the mirror of time and are sobered by the vulnerability of the human experience, how many of us will live to perform this mitzvah and how often? We're forced into a seemingly inevitable cheshbon hanefesh. Time passes on, quietly chugging, most of us don't mark it properly, certainly don't maximize or employ it to its utmost. But once in a while we stand at a timestamp, looking out into our future and considering the challenges of that uncertain future. Every month, during Shabbos Mevarchim, Chayim Sheish Brem Yurash Shemayim Vyurash Chayit, Chayim Shel Parnasah, Chayim Shel Tova, Chayim Shel Chilat Atzamos. Who doesn't feel a passing murmur in their heart as they embark on 30 days toward the unknown future, hoping that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will sustain them, will stabilize their experience over the next 30 days of uncertainty? 
It's a passing thought, a passing murmur. Then we return to our day-to-day routine. Who doesn't feel that slight chill in our heart every year on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur? Mi Yechyeh, Mi Amos, Kama Yavron, Kama Yibareon, Mi Yishafel, Mi Arum, a chilling, frightening moment in which we look out at the vast expanse of a year and wonder what will happen over the course of that year. Whose fate will be altered? Whose lives will be irrevocably changed? And then an hour or two later, we're back in our swing, we're back in our routine. Standing above the precipice of 28 years of our future, of our unknown future, of our uncertain future, looking down at that abyss of time, not knowing how the world will change, how our personal lives will be altered, is both a chilling, frightening moment, but one which for a person of mission and of religious duty should cause a reevaluation and recalibration of where we're headed in this world, what we hope to accomplish, what our mark on this world will be, how many of those around us are we connecting to and with and affecting. We're living lives in dreadful isolation or in concert with others. It's the famous Machlokis Achronim. Now, whether you should recite Shechianu during the occasion of Bircha Sachama, the Chassam Sofer claimed that you should, the Bach claimed that you should, and several, several subsequent positions argued this point for all sorts of halachic reasons. On a very personal level, I simply can't imagine, can't imagine not reciting Shechianu. This is such a momentous occasion. If there ever were a moment in which a person should recite Shechianu, it would be this moment, this mitzvah which you perform two, three, maybe times in your life. What better time to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for sustaining you, for protecting you for the past 28 years? and fervently hope that that unknown future will be steadied by similar hashkacha, and that from your standpoint you'll be able to employ that great gift of time which HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides, and employ it productively and constructively in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I simply can't imagine not reciting a Shechiyana. Of course, the compromise, the compromise of most poskim in order to solve those positions who claim a Shechianu shouldn't be recited is to buy a new fruit or a new article of clothing, but on, a, on an existential level, it's both a scary and an exhilarating moment. It's a time stamp upon the human lifestyle, upon the religious lifestyle. Let us hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will steer us in good health, restore the full stature of the moon, Restore the full stature of Jewish people. Usher in the great utopia of Yimosa Mashiach and provide us all with future opportunities to recognize the return to that initial point of creation and perhaps to all stand in Yerushalayim Mir in front of the Beis HaMikdash
not just looking up to the heavens and recognizing the initial alignment of stars, but recognizing the alignment above the place from which the world was created. The Beis HaMikdash and Harabais. Be'ezras Hashem.